Wait, what? So this happened. I'm Rachel Vallesnor, and this is the podcast Hell is Not the End, although it feels like just the beginning sometimes. Is anything really the end, though? This podcast is meant to explore the limitless possibilities of one's own soul. Why do people do bad things? Why are there countless happenings beyond understanding? Why, when we are cautioned not to do something, do we just do it anyway? The definition of curiosity, a strong desire to know or learn something. There you have it. I will curiously explore why. Hell is not the end. The Colorado Street Bridge was designed and built in 1912 at a cost of $191,000 in California. The bridge was designed by the firm Waddell and Harrington, based in Kansas City, Missouri. Colorado Boulevard, previously Colorado Street, runs over the bridge connecting Eagle Rock and Glendale to Pasadena to the west and Monrovia to the east. The Colorado Street Bridge replaced the smaller Scoville Bridge located near the Arroyo Seco. The bridge officially opens on September 13, 1913. The bridge follows a curved path so that the footings would sit on more solid ground than a straight bridge would provide. The bridge spans 1,486 feet with a maximum height of 150 feet and has distinct Beaux-Arts arches. Style inspired by Paris architectural design drawing upon the principles of French neoclassicism while incorporating Gothic and Renaissance elements. The bridge is on the National Register of Historic Places and has been designed a National Historical Civil Engineering landmark by the American Society of Civil Engineers. During the early part of the 20th century, the Colorado Street Bridge became known locally as Suicide Bridge, after dozens of people leaped to their deaths. The bridge developed a bad reputation before it was even completed. A construction worker fell to his death and landed in the wet cement under the bridge. The number of suicide deaths would spike during the Great Depression and would not stop there. One of the most popular suicides involves a woman and her child. One night, a mother takes her child to the bridge and was prepared to end their lives. The mother throws her baby over the bridge first and then jumps herself, plummeting to her death. The child doesn't die, landing in a tree unharmed. However, the mother is successful in her suicide attempt. The guardrail was replaced by an eight-foot barrier in an effort to discourage other suicide attempts, yet the nickname Suicide Bridge remains. To this day, the bridge is still used by people desperate to end their lives, including a few famous names. In 2016, temporary anti-suicide barriers in the form of 10-foot chain-link fencing were installed on the sidewalk inside the guardrail, blocking the seating alcoves. The alcoves are believed to be the primary route taken by suicide victims. In 2017, there were nine deaths by suicide. By September 2018, there were another four deaths by suicide, including a 13-hour negotiation with the next possible would-be deaths by suicide. The temporary barriers were extended to the entire span of the bridge. Future plans for the bridge involve replacing the temporary barriers with permanent barriers, at least 7.5 feet in height. There are so many unsubstantiated suicide statistics involving Suicide Bridge. I know that it is obviously high, but not all are actually reported. It is thought that hundreds of poor souls have died by suicide from jumping off the bridge. It does make me wonder what wasn't reported and if the bridge is haunted.
It has to be haunted, right? Thurston Avenue Bridge, located on the campus of the Ivy League School Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, the bridge sits atop a treacherous gorge and is passed over by students daily, about 8,500 vehicles, 950 pedestrians, and 60 bicycles. The bridge's appearance was of utmost importance. Hot dip galvanizing would be added to the steel rails atop the bridge and finish the top coat with a powder-coated duplex system. Hot dip galvanizing proved to be the perfect complement to the duplex powder coat. It was as cost-efficient as painting the bridge three times, had great durability, maintained the look and feel of the original design, while protecting the bridge from corrosive road salts used in the winter. It's also the bridge that is a place for suicides. The Cornell Gorge suicide, multiple suicides will occur in 1970s and in the 1990s. Between 1991 and 1994, five students will die by suicide in the gorges. In the academic year of 2009-2010, six students died by suicide, the last one being reported in 2005. Since 2002, student awareness of the mental health issues had been a major focus and had even intensified after 2007 with Cornell's new president. Following the deaths by suicide in 2009-2010, new fencing was added to discourage suicides. Not only is fencing added to the main Cornell Gorge Bridge crossing, but four other bridge crossings of the university. The installation and completion of barriers would take place in the summer of 2013. Between 1990 and 2010, 27 people, including 15 Cornell University students, will die by suicide jumping from the bridge. Believe it or not, this bridge is not known for a high suicide rate. On October 21, 1991, a failed attempted suicide would take place. He would recover from his injuries, for the most part, and return to Cornell in 1992 and complete his undergraduate degree. In October 2019, an 18-year-old from Miami, Florida was found in the gorge after being last seen at a fraternity party two days before. He had only attended college for a few weeks. In that time, he was playing on a club soccer team, was taking classes in finance, and found a job as a campus tour guide. It was his parents' weekend, Cornell's freshman family weekend. His mother was very concerned since he was not answering his phone. The two had had dinner together that night of the fraternity party, and the pair had plans to meet up the next day after class. Two days later, he was found in, with a fractured skull, broken ribs, and a blood alcohol level that proves he was drunk at the time he was found in a shallow pool of water at the bottom of the ravine in the gorge. It was, and still is, a speculated suicide. Although other speculations have come to light since his death, there is no real proof of foul play. He was described as happy, friendly, and fun to be around. There was no indication that he was having a hard time. Enter the Conspiracy Corner.
last message he left was on his mother's voicemail, however garbled. Police found his white t-shirt at the spot he must have fallen from. The shirt had a footprint on it that didn't match the shoes he was wearing and was not thoroughly investigated to find an actual match. He was wearing a hoodie, but for some reason he was not wearing a t-shirt. Not one person at the fraternity party saw him leave, and few said that they even saw him at the party. Not a shock, really. Since he died extremely tragically, would you say anything if you had have seen him leave, or if you had have seen him at all? The gorge was a ten minute walk away from the fraternity party. Was it a suicide? Could it have been an accident? Maybe he was so intoxicated that he had no idea where he was, or what he was doing. Or does the footprint on his shirt indicate that he wasn't alone? My hope is that no one has to live in fear, ever. As always, I will never give up and read the signs. Especially in all the reading materials I could get my hands on, internet mostly. Thanks to wikipedia.org, galvaniza.org, and newyorktimes.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Rachel Vallis-Nor, and this is the podcast, Hell is Not the End. <laughs>